Pulse Audio Podcast Network. All I can think of is family. <laughs> I know. Say, she's waiting to say family. You can see it in my eyes. You can see it in my smile. Anyways, hello, Herstory heroes, and welcome back to Whining About Herstory, the podcast where two longtime gal pals that apparently can't keep straight faces drink wine and tell you about women from history you may not have heard of. I'm Kelly. I'm Emily, and I'm trying so hard to keep my shit together right now. <laughs> I'm just, I, it's been a rough week, so I'm feeling like manic and punchy and goofy. Yeah. Like, she also apparently just finds Famalam hilarious. You guys. <laughs> Famalam is a thing. Hashtag Famalam. Hashtag Lady Boss. Hashtag donate to our Patreon so I can afford therapy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. this is our first episode celebrating Black History Month. Woo, 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 woo. February. Woo. I used to be so excited because my birthday's in February and I was always very honored that and it was also Black like, History Month. <laughs> my birthday's in February. Actually. Not because it's Black History Month, but because you're like, I don't need to be any older. Well, no, it's more that February other than my birthday is kind of a garbage month because oh, it's it's Black winter History month. Well, that, but you know what I mean? Like weather-wise, yeah. especially in Minnesota, it's like January, New Year's, okay? And then the rest of the month is trash. And then Valentine's it's like you, Day. You know what? I am not defined by a holiday about love or significant others. Yeah, neither am I. Yeah. Did you hear? Um, I think it's the Brookfield Zoo in Illinois will let if you donate like five plus dollars, you get to name one of their hissing cro- cockroaches after an ex. I think it gets fed I to shit. Fucking hate cockroaches, but I know exactly which ex I would name it after. I do too. Everyone knows. <laughs> Everyone has that one ex. <laughs> Unless you don't have any exes, and then you're very fucking lucky. Here's the thing: there's someone in your life you you're really like. I hate. would name a hissing cockroach after that person. I said that, and a name popped into everyone's head. Yeah. And I hope that you don't talk to that person anymore because they are clearly a negative influence in your life. Clearly. So, uh, in celebration of Black History month getting back to that kelly and i are going to be covering black women all month and i am so excited i am too i have such good women lined up i'm so excited and if you're a regular listener you know that this is not exclusive to february it's not like well yeah we don't only cover black women in february we do cover them throughout the year yeah but this is specially dedicated to black women and their power and their beauty and their loveliness and how as much as Kelly and I are white women, as much as the patriarchy fucks us, it is even worse for black women and other women of color. So So we need to make sure they get seen. Yes. Also, if, if you're someone who doesn't like believe in Black History Month, I know a lot of people are like, like women's history. It shouldn't just be its own thing. It should be part of all of history. I get that. I 100% get that. But we're doing this because... This is how it is right now. We're just adding something to the world. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, am I... No. No, it's my wine. Okay. And then you are going first. Yes. So I'm just going to say this. I didn't know what the title of this wine translated to. And I'm not going to translate it on air because it's bullshit. But it has a really pretty label. It does. It's like a little masquerade label with like flowers coming out of her head, but it's called La Fea. Yep. 
And it's a Syrah from 2016. Everyone's going to their Google Translate to figure yep. out what that means. Too bad. <laughs> it means nothing. That's what it means. <laughs> that might because be worse. <laughs> I didn't know what it meant when I picked it out. I think it's supposed to be like ironic because the Probably. bottle it's is very gorgeous. Pre- okay, it means the ugly. That's what it stands for. But it's a very pretty bottle. <laughs> it's so confusing. I don't understand. Anyways, it says red wine made from the te- Tempranillo <laughs> te- Garnacha and Syrah grape varieties. Dark cherry color with violet hues. Intense aroma of ripe jammy fruits with licorice and violets. See, I'm really excited because the last wine we drank tasted like raisins slash dates. And I was not worthy to drink it. We were rather disappointed. It was definitely not what I thought it would be. It didn't taste like any wine I'd ever had. And I think a lot of people would like it. It, it was like molasses. Like even when I like cleaned our glasses out it after, was thick it and was like syrupy. molasses. It was kind of gross. Yeah. So I really hope the manager at that liquor store never hears this because he will find me and he will kill me. Or he'll be like, this is why it was on manager special. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Because I, when he called it Greek church wine, I'm like, okay, but is it is that the a way good thing or a bad we thing? say church wine where it's not a good thing? All right. Well, what are we cheersing to? Black History Month. Yeah. Okay. Like, Do you even have to ask? Yeah. Ooh. Clink. Ooh. I mean, it's definitely a dry red. Yeah. It's I know a lot muted. of people don't like Syrah, but I don't think this is bad. It honestly, yeah, it doesn't have a lot of flavor. It, it has kind of a little bit of a bite on the back end, but it's almost like watery. But I, I don't mean that in a bad way. But like when it first hits you, There's it's very not a muted. Lot of flavor. Yeah, there is on the back end, but not. It's better than very the last one. I'm gonna say that it is. I'm so sorry. This is like back to a traditional red. Yeah. No, it's it's like a it's a chill wine. It's yeah. it's a wine that just wants to sit on the couch with some popcorn and right? watch Disney movies, but it's, not. It's not like long. it's not like communion wine. No, it's, it's not just as a nice pu- dry red. Yeah, subtle. Mm be a good cheese wine Ooh, yeah actually now I want cheese okay i want to let everyone know we're recording a double header tonight which means we didn't get to go to a wine event where we actually would have learned how to taste wine yeah because we are more dedicated to you than wine that is love yeah okay we told you it gets intense this yeah. is how intense it gets this shit is so fucking real right now <laughs> there's so much love in this room all right I get to start us off this week, and I am very excited. So I am covering Claudette Coleman. And if you have, I know you haven't heard of her, Kelly, because we already had this discussion. But if our listeners. I was like, that name sounds familiar because we talked about it earlier today. But if our listeners have heard of her, I wouldn't be too surprised because she is kind of gaining more recognition in recent years. She's like kind of this like, oh, my God, why haven't we heard of her? And she's like rising through the ranks to stardom. So. I am game. So we all know the story of Rosa Parks, who refused to give up her seat on a bus to a white passenger, was arrested for her act of defiance and uh, sparked. This, <laughs> this is like your bra lady. Yeah. Uh, and sparked the Montgomery bus boycott, which successfully desegregated public buses. But what if I told you that nine months before Rosa Parks' historic ride, a 15 year old girl did the same thing? 
well, she didn't. And that's all hypothetical. I'm kidding. No, that's what we're doing. Like, well, fine. <laughs> I'm just making shit up at this point. Claudette Colvin was born on September 5th, 1939. Her biological parents, unable to financially provide for a child, gave her up for adoption, and she was adopted by her mother, Mary Ann, and father, Q.P. Colvin. I don't know what his actual name was. He was just listed as Q.P. Hmm. She grew up in a poor black neighborhood in Montgomery, Alabama. So during this time, Jim Crow laws were in full effect. They were the norm. And for our non-American listeners, or for anyone who just doesn't know, Jim Crow laws were put into place after the American Civil War and enforced shitty things like racial segregation in all public places in what we called, unsexy quotes, separate but equal. God, I need some sexy quotes here. We talked about a lay who wrote porn last episode, yeah. and we didn't work in a single sexy quote. So surprise, surprise. I did use, like, my NPR sexy voice, You though. did, and it was alluring. So surprise, surprise. Everything for white people was great, while schools, transportation, and even water fountains were shittier for black people. So there was no equal. There was just, you get shitty stuff, and we get to feel good about all of our good stuff, and you don't get to come over here, or I'm like legally allowed to just like kill you it's super fucked yes, up yes it is so you're probably wondering where we got that super weird name jim crow laws so was i it originates from a once popular song and dance show called jump jim crow in which a white actor used blackface to portray oh, outrageous Christ. black stereotypes this shit is disgusting the show became i just figured it was based on a guy named jim crow yeah i didn't like it, it, that, that, well, like I was researching this, I was kind of like, I just realized I don't know why they called it that. Like, I know what it is. I know what it's called, but I don't know why. So that's what this is. <laughs> so the show became so popular that Jim Crow became a pejorative term for black people. So it was a racial wow. slur. Yeah. Claudette recalls some of the challenges that she experienced thanks to Jim Crow laws. Quote, we couldn't try on clothes. You had to take a brown paper bag and draw a diagram of your foot and take it to the store. So if you're black and you want to go clothes or shoe shopping, you have to like know your measurements and you have to trace your foot on a paper bag to find the right shoe. That's bullshit. What the fuck? Along with legalized discrimination, the Ku Klux Klan, or the KKK, was heavily active in the South, and lynching was common. Yep. So people are just going around murdering black people, and it's awful. So this was the horrifying world Claudette is growing up in. Just painting that picture. Her childhood was pretty typical. Claudette went to school, played with friends, and spent time with her family. She was active in the NAACP, or National American Association for Colored People, Youth Council, so like junior version. Yeah. Uh, and she had aspirations of being president one day because she is glorious. In 1955, when Claudette was 15 years old, she was a student at Booker T. Washington High School, which was segregated. Yes, her segregated school was named after a famous black author and presidential advisor who had been born into slavery. Like, what? Stop it! At school, Claudette was learning about black history and studying famous leaders like Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth, along with examining present-day injustices. 
Her parents didn't have a car, so to get to and from school each day, Claudette took the city buses. Most of the bus riding population of Montgomery, Alabama was black because the rich white people had cars and the working class had to take the bus. The city buses were segregated, so there was a colored section in the back and a white section up front. However, if the bus became too crowded, black passengers were expected to give up their seats for white riders. So they would like move back or have to stand. Uh, On March 2nd, 1955, Claudette was taking the bus home from school. She sat in the colored section because that's just, you know, that was her life. That was the world she was living in. However, when a white woman boarded the bus and found there were no more available seats in the white section, the bus driver ordered Claudette and three other black women to move a row back so the white passenger could sit. Yes, the bus driver didn't only tell one person to move to make one seat available. They all had to move because, God forbid, a white person had to sit next to a black person. So, like, a whole row had to be cleared out so one white person could sit down. That's bullshit. Claudette even later said that a white woman sitting in the same row as them would mean that, quote, we were as good as her. Because it was all about you are lesser. And we're going to do everything we can to make you feel that way and show you that you are. The three women moved, uh, but Claudette stayed. Then a pregnant black passenger, Ruth Hamilton, boarded the bus and sat next to Claudette. Uh, The driver ordered Claudette and Ruth to move. Claudette recalled, quote, He asked us both to get up. Ruth said she was not going to get up and that she had paid her fare and that she didn't feel like standing. You know, because she's fucking pregnant. Right? Like, come on. Jesus. I don't care who you are. Like, if you are pregnant, you deserve everything. Like, people should bow down to you. Right. Uh, This strengthened Claudette's resolve. She later recalled, quote, so I told him I was not going to get up either. So he said, if you are not going to get up, I will get a policeman. Because this is how you solve your problems. Then and now. Like. So when the cops arrived, they asked a male black passenger to give up his seat for Ruth. uh, But Claudette still refused to move. So so Ruth is just kind of like. I paid I just my fare. I'm pregnant, motherfuckers. And so another gentleman gave up his seat for her. But Claudette's like, I'm not moving at all because this is racist. Claudette wasn't pl- planning on staging a protest that day, but with everything she was learning and experiencing, she couldn't back down. This quote is a continuation of the one that I mentioned before about yep. the clothes. Can you imagine... All of that in my mind. My head was just too full of black history. You know, the oppression and what we went through. I felt like Sojourner Truth was on the side pushing me down and Harriet Tubman was on the other side of me pushing me down. I couldn't get up. So she's feeling very empowered by the stories of these strong black women from the past. And they're like basically telling her, this is your moment. You need to make a stand. In defiance, Claudette yelled, It's my constitutional right, which made me think of the Stonewall riots and like, I got my civil rights. Yeah, exactly. That made me so happy. So two policemen showed up and dragged this 15-year-old girl off the bus and arrested her because she's such a threat. When she was put in a jail cell and the door slammed shut, Claudette recalled, quote, And then I got scared and panic came over me and I started crying. Then I started saying the Lord's Prayer. Because she's a child. She's 15. She's 15. 
Right. Getting thrown in jail. Well, and I'm sure she hears all this terrible stuff about the police and stuff because they weren't exactly nice to black people. It's so funny that you mention that. Because during her arrest and while in jail, the police officers made pervy comments about her body and made a game about guessing her bra size. Oh, that's disgusting. Because appropriate. And this was this is still very common today, the over-sexualization of black women. And it's super fucked up. And no one was going to hold them accountable for that. No, of course not. No one not. gave a shit. Claudette's minister bailed her out of jail. He credited her with bringing the revolution to Montgomery. Claudette was charged with disturbing the peace, defying segregation laws, and battering and assaulting a police officer. Are you fucking kidding me? Just tack that on. Because these two grown-ass men dragged a child off a bus, but she's the combatant. Right. Uh, She was tried in juvenile court. Her friend who witnessed the event testified on Claudette's behalf and asserted that there was, in fact, no assault by Claudette. Despite this, Claudette was convicted of all three charges. Here's where it, like, makes my brain itch with rage. So she appealed in May of that year, and all of the charges were dropped except for the one about assaulting a police officer. Like, here's the thing. The one that definitely didn't happen. Right. Like, she definitely defied segregation laws. Those laws were unjust, but she definitely did that. But everything else was like, yeah, I guess you didn't, but you definitely beat up a police officer. It's like, fuck you guys. Now, this act of defiance inspired the NAACP, and they decided to run with it. However, they had to be calculated and strategic. It's all politics. So the NAACP was planning on using Claudette's arrest as a spark to ignite a bus boycott, but some people argued that white people would not get behind a darker-skinned teenager. Jesus. Yeah. Instead, Rosa Parks, who was the secretary of the NAACP, was chosen to ignite the boycott. Rosa Parks had a lighter complexion and came off as less threatening to white people, allowing her to better play the part of the innocent 15 victim. 15-year-old. Yeah. come off as so innocent threatening. Nine Jesus. months after Claudette's not-so-famous ride, Rosa Parks held her protest and was arrested. The Montgomery bus boycott lasted from December 5th to 1955, from December 5th of 1955 to December 20th of 1956. Over a year. Yep. Good God. As I mentioned earlier, most of the people riding the buses were black, so this was a financial disaster for the city. The black community organized to help give each other rides to work, and other members cooked meals so families wouldn't have to travel to for groceries that much. So the whole community got behind this. Yeah, they and did. for a year. Right. Nuts. The whole thing was fucking incredible. So after all of this, Claudette wasn't beaten and she wasn't done. She joined four other plaintiffs in a court case, uh, Browder versus Gale, in which uh, challenged the bus segregation laws in court. The case was uh, organized and filed by civil rights attorney Fred Gray, and he was the same guy who had represented Claudette in juvenile court. So he was a civil rights attorney and he's like, the segregation's bullshit. And so he was kind of gathering yeah. people who had been victims of this. And he's like, we need to fight the man. And Claudette's like, bring Fuck it. Yeah. 
During the case, Claudette testified in regards to the event of her arrest. She stated, quote, I kept saying, he has no civil right. This is my constitutional right. You have no right to do this. And I kept blabbing things out and I never stopped. That was worse than stealing, you know, telling, talking back to a white person. Unfortunately, the case struggled to gain momentum and things only got worse when it came out that Claudette was several months pregnant. Which also, like, for the NAACP, it hurt her image as an innocent victim because she's an unwed teenage mother. And we still, like, don't look fondly on that and it sucks. So, like I said, this hurt her image as an innocent child who was being brutalized by the system. Also, for befalling with pregnancy, she was kicked out of school because this is the fucking worst. You know who really needs an education? Pregnant teenagers okay (laughs) right like um man how can we make this more difficult for you no education no education you have to just go home and do nothing it's like the soup nazi no education for you yeah right i know you need it but no However, uh, the case did make its way through the courts until on June 5th, 1956, the United States District Court for the Middle District of Alabama, so specific, ruled that the state's bus segregation laws were unconstitutional. This decision was then upheld by the United States Supreme Court and Alabama was ordered to end segregation on buses permanently. So the lawsuit is what ended the segregation. The Montgomery bus boycott was still fucking huge, and it was a big part of that. Right, exactly. It's kind of the momentum behind it. So this next section is titled, Why We Don't Know About Claudette. So you think Claudette and Rosa's stories would be told together rather than Claudette becoming completely erased, but there are a lot of reasons for this. So many that I just bulleted them. Rosa Parks had the right look. Her lighter complexion and hair type was more associated with the middle class, making it easier for white people to identify with her. Rosa Parks was also a dedicated civil rights warrior and heavily involved in the NAACP. So she was politically savvy and kind of, she knew how to play the part. She knew how to influence people. She was very experienced in this. And while Claudette was a part of the youth NAACP, she's still only 15 years old. Yeah. Speaking of which, Claudette was only a teenager, and teenagers were considered unreliable, therefore a poor face for the desegregation movement. They're like, we can't have a child as the face of our movement. Like, this is serious stuff. Claudette's own mother encouraged her not to bring up her protest, saying that Rosa had to be the one. And like, again, she's like, white people identify with her more. They like her more. Finally, be hard to hear from your mom. Yeah. Claudette's pregnancy also made her a poor candidate. People would weaponize it against her, leading to a lack of sympathy from white people and those in her own community. So, like, no one's really behind her. That sucks. So a lot of these reasons are kind of ironic and stupid, considering the civil rights uh, movement was largely made up of young people, 50% of them being women. So a lot of pictures from the civil rights we see, it's men in suits, grown men in suits. But it was a lot of young people and a lot of fucking women. It's just kind of like today. A lot of movements are led by the younger people. Yeah, because they have the energy and they're not burnt out by life. Like some ladies I know, me and Kelly, oh my God, make it end. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, next section, after activism. So Claudette gave birth to her son Raymond in March of 1956. She then moved to New York but found it difficult to find work or keep a job. 
Once people found out she was a part of a federal case that dismantled bus segregation, people would just kind of tell her to fuck off. Even though her ride didn't gain the same notoriety as Rosa's, um, it did earn Claudette a reputation as a troublemaker by those in her own community, and she had to drop out of college because of these hardships. So people are finding out she's a part of this federal case, and they're like, fuck you. And then even people in her own communities... Like, think about it nowadays. Like, if, um, okay, say a woman is being harassed on a bus by a creepy guy yeah. and she beats the shit out of him. Well, God, did she really have to get so aggressive? Did she really have to take it that far? What right. a troublemaker. You know, we yeah. always like to spin the protester as this villain, but it's like, okay, well, why did they do what they did? Like, let's look at the whole picture here. Anyway. Eventually, Claudette got a job as a nurse's aide in New York where she worked for 35 years before Aww. retiring in 2004. So she she made it. She did Good. all right. Yeah. Life was hard, particularly because of this amazing thing she did, but she made it. Legacy. Claudette was not the first person to refuse to give up their seat on a segregated bus. However, what makes her notable is that she was the first to retain legal counsel after the fact and fight back against the system. Yeah, that's awesome. None of this is meant to detract or lessen Rosa Parks' famous ride and all of her civil rights work because Rosa Parks is a fucking queen and she's amazing. This is simply acknowledging Claudette's crucial role in the civil rights movement and the Montgomery bus boycott. Claudette is getting uh, more attention in recent years and was featured on Drunk History. And there is a book about her called Claudette Colvin, Twice Toward Justice by Philip Hoose. Hose? H-O-O-S-E? Hoose? Hoose. Like a Canadian, oh, I'm going to go to the hoose and (laughs) take my socks off and get koozie. Claudette Colvin is a living legend, and she is still slaying it at 80 years old. Oh, my God. Uh, In 2017, Claudette published her own book called Still I Rise, and in it is a quote that made me decide to cover. So I knew her from Drunk History, and I was kind of thinking, like, maybe I should cover her. But this quote was like, I'm done. This is it. Being dragged off that bus was worth it. Just to see Barack. I'm sorry. This is like, this is so beautiful. Okay. Uh, It was worth it just to see Barack Obama become president. So many others gave their lives and didn't get to see it. And I thank God for letting me see it. And she wanted to be president. And she got to, like, live to see the first black president. And and she acknowledges, like, a lot of other people in the civil rights movement. Didn't get to. They were killed or they died. Like, so Claudette Coleman, I love you and you're a living legend and you are everything and you it shouldn't have been that hard and you should have gotten more love and recognition and so we love you we recognize you and thank you i'm gonna cry i know (laughs) she's like tearing up over there yeah i i read that quote and i actually i got really teary-eyed because i'm like because i you know you think of like all the progress we've made in in any kind of civil rights fight whether it be lgbtq plus uh black rights asian like everything and all of the people who didn't give, get to live to see the fruits of their labor. They're just planting seeds in a garden that they never got to see grow. And that breaks my heart, but it was wor- like their effort was worth it and it paid off. So I'm going to sit back and cry into my no, wine no. here. Wine cry. Wine cry. Yeah, Claudette Colvin. She's a badass. Yes, yeah, she is. So I'm covering Alice Coachman. Mm. 
Do you know who that is? I do not, but her first name is the fake name I give at bars I when I don't want people to know. Here's the thing. Emily is such a common name, but it's like my way of controlling things yeah, and like separating like myself from creeps. Like you don't even get to know my first very common name, you right. son of a bitch. All right. So Alice Coachman was born on November 9th, 1923 in Albany, Georgia. One of 10 children, Alice was raised in the heart of the segregated South where she was often denied the opportunity to train or compete in organized sports events, which is something she really wanted to do. Instead, Alice improvised her training, running barefoot in fields or on dirt roads and using old equipment to improve her high jump. At Madison High School, Alice came under the tutelage of the boys' track coach, Harry E. Lash, who recognized and nurtured her talent. Ultimately, Alice caught the attention of the athletic department at Tuskegee Institute in Tuskegee, Alabama, which offered the 16-year-old Alice a scholarship in 1939. It's like the Tuskegee Airmen. Yep. I like that. I like that little connection. Right. Her parents, who'd initially not been in favor of their daughter pursuing athletic dreams, gave their blessing for her to enroll. Before she ever sat in a Tuskegee classroom, though... Alice broke the high school school and college high jump records barefoot in the Amateur Athlete Union, or the AAU, National Championship Track and Field Competition. Oh, my God. Like, yep. before she's even enrolled, she's yep. like, I'm just going to come in and clean house here. Yep. She soared five feet, two inches. That's just over my head. Like, I would have felt her. She had a unique jumping style that was a combination of the straight jump and the western roll technique to get over the bars. And, okay, so the high jump, that's the one where you kind of run in a J shape and you, like, jump backwards over the bar? Yeah, you have, like, a little pole and you, like... Oh, the pole. That's the, the pole. pole. High jump. jump. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought that was a pole vault. Oh, yeah. No, that's no, the high vault. jump. The high jump is you, you just run and jump. Yeah. I was going to say, that's horrifying. I can't do that. Because all you have is your own body yeah. to propel you. And it is terrifying right? to think about. In the summer of 1948, she set a record for Americans by jumping five feet, four and 13 and 16 inches. Jeez, how do they measure it that closely? I don't know. In Grand Rapids, Michigan, she then set the American AAU record for the 50 meter dash in the sa- at the same competition, making it across the finish line in 6.4 seconds. Wow. So she's running too. It's track and field. Right. Right. I finally understand why they call it that now. In, on July 1948, in Providence, Rhode Island, Alice hit the 5 foot 4 and 13, 16 inches <laughs> again, um, did, but did not exceed her Michigan record. Um, but this was for the Olympic trials. So she went to the Olympics. Oh, my God. It was really weird because they like talk about that and then it's just immediately into the Olympics. So there's like a weird gap. Okay. It's, it's like... I'm acknowledging the weird gap in my story. Yeah. Okay. So this is... She the probably Oli- got the coffee. Olympics. She got coffee somewhere in between, and that's her right. story. <laughs> the Olympics. Rain was starting to come down as the closing women's track and field event of 1948 Summer Olympics was coming to an end. To that point, no American woman had taken taken the gold in any of the competitions. Just in in this Olympics, not like ever. <laughs> Wait, so in the whole Olympics, no women had gotten golds? Yeah, of this Olympics. In, of this Olympics. That's what it says. In, what? Any, in any of the competitions. What? Alice Coachman changed that by soaring an unprecedented five feet, six and one eighth inches. So that's taller than me. Yeah. In the high jump at the London Games. She also jumped into the history books as the first black woman to win an Olympic gold medal. 
I see what you did there. I like it. I love I love some good wordplay. She also surpassed the Olympic record, which had previously been set at five feet four and three fourths inches. Who who which was held by uh, Americans Jean Jean Shiley and Babe Didrikson jointly because they they got the same height. Yeah, but um, it, almost two inches. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Close to eighty two thousand spectators watched Alice win that victory. In a dramatic fashion as she competed against Dorothy Tyler of Great Britain. Both women jumped the same height, but the Americans were given the gold because Tyler had missed several of her lower jumps. Oh, so it was kind of like an overall score? Apparently, I always thought with when you missed one, you were just done. Yeah, it's like when you fall in ice skating, yeah, like so they you're mu- fucked. I mean, yeah, but you can get up and keep going, like, whereas I thought, Yeah, like, but you still get dinged. Yeah, and that's, so yeah, basically that's what it. Okay. King George the Sixth, so Elizabeth's father, presented Alice with her gold medal. When the Albany, Georgia native returned home, a parade was thrown in her honor of her historic achievement at the Olympics. Did they make it rain some ticker tape? I don't know. Didn't say. I just I, assume so. Her story had cannon. She was, ticker tape parade. Yeah, glowing ticker tape. To quote Alice, she said, quote, I, I didn't know I'd won. I was on my way to receive the medal, and I saw my name on the board. And, of course, I glanced over into the stands where my coach was, and she was clapping her hands. I made a difference among the blacks being one of the leaders, she said in a later, in a later interview with the New York Times. If I had gone to the games and failed, there wouldn't be anyone to follow in my footsteps. It encouraged the rest of the women to work harder and fight harder. She paved the way. Yeah. Alice's victory was celebrated with invitations to come aboard a British royal yacht and from pa- President Harry S. Truman, who congratulated her at the White House. But racism and the status quo didn't take a break on the day of Alice's parade and celebration in her hometown. Blacks and whites were not allowed to sit next to each other. Um, and while the mayor sat on the same stage with Alice, he refused to shake her hand and she exited through the side door at the conclusion of the event. Fuck you dude right that's like billy holiday having to go in and out the back yeah, like the bullshit. service entrance of places where she was performing yeah. and she couldn't sit up on the bandstand with the white performers yep alice said in an interview quote we had segregation but it wasn't any problem for me because i had one that was up to them whether they accepted it or not she's like hey guys i know i am the best that's ever lived right. and you can either get on board or y'all can fuck off so po- post win life Following her her win at the Olympic Games, Alice returned to the United States and finished her degree at Albany State. Uh, She formally retired from athletic competitions, but her star power remained. And in 1952, the Coca-Cola Company tapped her to become a spokesperson, making Alice the first African-American to earn an endorsement deal. That's just what they call it when they recruit you. They call it tapping. I don't know That sounds so unnecessarily sexual, like... You tap that ass and right. Coca-Cola tap? No, don't. That, that's what it's called, though. Say you, you reached out to her and selected right. her to... Don't say that. Later in life, she also went on to establish the Alice Coachman Track and Field Foundation to help support younger athletes and provide assistance to retired Olympic veterans. Wow. In the decades since her success in London, Alice's achievements have not been forgotten. At the 1996 Summer Olympic Games in Atlanta, she was honored as one of the 100 greatest Olympians in history. She has also been inducted into nine different halls of fame, including the National Track and Field Hall of Fame and the U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame. Isn't Betty Babe Robinson in one or both of those? I believe so. 
I, I think she's remember. at least in the Olympic Hall yeah, of Fame. I, can't, I, she I should think she's be. in both. I was going to say, she should be in the track and field right. one. Alice Coachman died on July 14th, 2014 at the oh age of God. 90 in That's Georgia. That's so recent. I know. In the months prior to her death, she had been admitted to a nursing home after suffering a stroke. Alice has had two children from her first marriage, and her second husband, Frank Davis, preceded her in death. Predeceased her, actually, is the word that they used. But I thought that was weird. So I went with preceded her in death. <laughs> Legacy. So on top of being inducted into the other Halls of Fame, she was also inducted into the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. She was made an honorary member of the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority. Um, she In 2002, she was designated a Women's History Month honoree. Yay! Yep. That's what we're all about! Right. She's also received a lot of recognition, and I, I, I think this is well-earned, for um, opening the door for future African-American track stars. Absolutely. In the years since her display of Olympic prowess, black women have made up the majority of the U.S. women's Olympic track and field team. Yes! So yeah, she, she said in her later life, quote, I think I opened the gate for all of them. Whether they think that or not, they should be grateful to someone in the black race who is able to do these things, end quote. She knows her worth and her value because she's like, either y'all can accept me or you can go fuck yourself. And also, even if you don't think I'm worth being thanked, you're welcome. Right. I did this for you right. and be grateful. <laughs> and then, I mean, that that's it. There's, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot on her. She must have lived a pretty quiet life is my guess. And, you know, probably wasn't super public about it other than, you know, being tapped by Coca-Cola. God, don't wink at me when you fucking say that. How dare you? <laughs> um, but I mean, she sounds like a badass. That's incredible. I love, too, that she just trained herself. Because yeah, she, she wanted was like, to. I want to do this. And she's doing all this barefoot? Yeah, on dirt roads. Oh, I can barely walk in my driveway barefoot because if I step on a rock, I am I'm out. done. It's funny because like <laughs> growing up, because I would walk like down to the lake so often and I would walk on the road a lot and it was rough. I had like hardened the soles of my feet and it yeah. didn't bother me. But now, like, since I never do it, I'm like, oh, rock, 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 rock. Yeah. Sometimes I forget you live in like, you grew up in this idyllic Minnesotan <laughs> home on the lake. Near a lake. On the lake. There is a small street and the bank separating <laughs> there, your home from the lake. There is a dead end road. Yeah. And, and a yard. <laughs> By the and lake. My the lake. ass. You can see the lake. <laughs> Oh, that's that's incredible. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Betty Babe Robinson yeah. and how you had to train with the boys and yeah, you know, like well, and uh, and it it took someone recognizing her talent and being like, uh, I don't give a shit if you're black or a woman, you're fucking amazing, and right. let's do this. Yeah, and then she just you know went on to prove that yeah, fuck, she can do this. So she was she the only female American athlete to win a gold at that Olympics or like did maybe some people no, after yeah, her it event? Was, it, after her event, yeah. It was okay. just up to that point hadn't. But I think I don't think we won many golds that year, at least the women didn't. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't look it up, but I don't think she was the only one. Well, and that was you said 1948, so that was the first summer Olympics after World War 2. After the ones that were in Germany and that were super awkward. Well, they were canceled technically. No. That's what it said in my article that the the 1942 Olympics were canceled. N- no, the there was 44 Olympics were canceled. I think it was the ones before that because there was the one where um 
Oh my God. I can't remember his name. So there was a relay race and uh, there were two Jewish athletes who oh, were yeah, supposed yeah. to run. And then the two, because bla- Hitler just would not deal with that. So two black athletes ran in their place and one of them was super famous. Oh my God. He was a guy though. Yeah, and this but it, is a women's history podcast. So I don't feel as bad for not it, remembering. It must have been the one before that though, because the, it, it talked about an Alice's story that she was originally going to run in the earlier Olympics. Yeah, but it was like it was Must the famous the 44. It was the Berlin Olympics and it, I think yeah, it was so that 30 something. 8, 38. 38. Cuz well, it's every 4 years. Yeah. Cuz it's well it's every 2 but it swaps summer and winter, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Yeah, cuz it was the the Berlin Olympics were kind of infamous because they were yeah. in Germany and Hitler was ruling over everything and being a giant piece of shit. Yeah, but then uh, it says right here, it says, well, probably at the peak of her athletic form, World War II forced the cancellation of the Olympic Games in both 1940 and 1944. So yeah, it must have been like 34. Why do we have a history podcast? 36. 36. Okay. Yeah. It's every four years. Okay. I know there were Olympics somewhere in there and Hitler was there and Yeah. But that was a really big deal because uh, that was Hitler's opportunity to tout out the his Aryan race. Yeah. And then a bunch of black athletes just wrecked his shit and he threw a fit because he's disgusting. They actually, Germany hosted both the winter and summer games oh my God. in 1936. That's so awkward. Yeah, that is. So yeah, it was 36 and then 40 and 44 were canceled. So, th- so this is kind of the like... This is like the the, com- the comeback yeah. Olympics. Oh my god! She just kicked it in the ass. I can't believe a human being can jump that high. Yeah, like ridiculous. of their I, own. I have power. to. I have to go look up what the current record is for high jump because if that was the record back then, five feet six inches or so. Yeah. Yeah. Just over. God, and he's jumping over a person at that point. Six feet ten and a fourth of an inch jesus christ is that Set men or in women? 1987 that's the women's good god held by stefka Kostadinova. stefka Kostadinova. <laughs> love those names gotta love the russian i have to say though once you know how to pronounce it you feel so powerful saying those names like right. valentina tereshkova well that's the thing you, you all, i think you do have to realize that Men's and women is going to be different because men have a slight advantage because generally they're taller. Taller, yeah. Yeah, more testosterone, more muscle mass. It depends on the individual, but yeah. Except the... So men have jumped eight feet, one-fourth inch. What the actual fuck? <laughs> I have to go look up how tall this guy is. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, okay, do you ever think about it, though? He, with- but he's six foot five. <laughs> so he only got like two feet off the ground, really. <laughs> But do you ever think about that? Like, if you compare records from even 10 years ago to today. Okay, sorry, she's Bulgarian. Oh, I'm not Russian. It's still a powerful last name. But do you ever compare, like, s- records from even 10 years ago to right. today? And it's just incredible how far we've come. And I'm like, when do people reach that point where they cannot not go any faster or jump any higher because you can't run a mile in two seconds that's completely impossible under your own power but we can you know what was it Usain Bolt did his run in like right. three I, I clearly she's, don't she's know five sports. foot eleven Alice or no the, the 
Bulgarian Stefka. Whatever I said her name was. You go, Stefka. God, that's a tall lady. Good for her, man. That's as someone who's five one. I am both intimidated and entranced by tall women because they just exude like power and elegance, and I love them. <laughs> Although everyone's a tall lady to me, right? Wow. So in in America, our our record is slightly lower than the world record. Okay. Because the world record is six foot ten and a fourth. Our our record, along with like a bunch of other countries, is six feet and eight and a half. That's still, I mean, two inches is a big deal when oh, you're yeah. talking about that. But yeah, go Alice. What right. a fucking badass! That's huge. I love her. I know I do too. Well, I think this was a good first episode for Black History Month. Right. Cheerful. Cheer. Yeah. Mostly. Mostly cheerful. Okay. They both ended cheerfully. Mine was rage-inducing. But it wasn't like some of the tragic, it wasn't sad the Nazi shit bullshit we go through. Okay, so there's a your queer story. Yep. There, they did a story of uh, two women in Nazi Germany, uh, Lily and oh Felicia something. I want to cover them in the future, and I commented on one of their things where I'm like, I've been wanting to cover them, but we have to space out our Nazi stories yeah, because otherwise it. it's way too depressing. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Well, what are you thankful for? Oh God, um, sneaking that one in. I appreciate it. So, I had something too. I was even gonna write my shit down. The wine. It is the. I know you gotta start like this is good adding wine. it at the bottom of your notes or something. I do. Um, you know what I'm really thankful for? One of the things, actually, I was even thinking I'm thankful for so much stuff this week, even though it's been a kind of a shitty week there's a lot to be thankful for uh one of my really dear and close friends uh he struggles with depression anxiety suicidal thoughts and he is going to therapy yeah he's already that's, that's a big thing like i'm so proud of him because it's so hard for him to exist like he he struggles but he does the best he can to take positive steps in the right direction so he was like I'm just going to fake it till I make it. So he started like running and getting into exercise and he's run a bunch of 5Ks. And then he uh, looked into getting on medications and he's starting to figure that whole process out. And now he's like getting a therapist and he's he's doing the work because he knows it's not going to just get better. He's not going to wake up one day and all that's going to go away. And I think that's a really hard thing to confront that like, oh, it's I have terrifying. to take steps to fix this because everything seems so hopeless. And like, what's the point? So I was having a really bad day and I literally like opened up my messages to text him bitching about my day. And I saw a message from him that he's like, he sent me the picture of him signing up for therapy. Aww. And I was like, dude, I've been having such a bad fucking week. And this just perked me the hell up. Right. And it was amazing so i'm so proud of him i love you (laughs) he's like hard step yeah but he's one of my best friends i'm so fortunate to have him in my life and i try to remind him that as often as possible but i'm really proud of him and it feels i'm thankful that he's taking steps in the right direction and i i know it's gonna get better so yeah Kelly, what are you thankful for? Um, I'm going to go with my sister. My sister. Sister. Uh, that's actually what we call each other. <laughs> like, we write to each other sometimes, and that's how we'll spell it. We'll, we'll spell it S-E-E-S-T-E-R. With a million sister. E's. Um, 
because like I said, I was I was kind of in a funk this week because like we're doing a double header, so it's the same week. Um, and she actually like texted me like I don't remember if it was Wednesday or Thursday, and she's just like, "Hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. Are you doing okay?" Oh, and it was just really really like nice to have like I mean. I are like I reached out to you, but you know, like just to have someone like reach out and just be like, "Hey, I I've noticed that things are different. Are you okay?" Like, and that was just really sweet. So then we had like a little chat, and that was nice. That's nice. That's great when you can share your feelings with people, right? And like, I know you you did reach out to me this week, and I hope I was not dismissive at all because I was because you're like, I'm sorry to like be laying all my problems on you. I know like you're super fucked up too. But I That's what we're there for. I'm always here for you and I love you and I'm glad that you're also taking steps in a positive direction to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. And you yes. have an amazing network of people to that are there for you and love you and As support you. Oh, thank Aww. you. And ending on a very sentimental note. As we get all mushy. Oh, I'm going to keep wine crying. Well, thank you so much for tuning into our first episode of Black History Month and our 45th episode of Whining About Herstory. Holy shit. Yeah, we're getting there. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory and Instagram at WAH Pod. Twitter at WAH underscore pod. Our email address is whiningaboutherstory at gmail.com. And our website is whiningaboutherstory.com. You can also donate to our Patreon. Just find us at Whining About Herstory. Uh, anything helps. We Buy make us it- some wine. Buy us some wine. Please, I'm hungry and thirsty. Like <laughs> cheese, cheese I, and wine, cheese and wine. <laughs> um, now, like we make it really easy. You can donate for as little as one dollar a month. And honestly, the boost that we get, like the emotional boost we get from someone even donating one dollar, is the best thing in the world. It's totally worth it, and we're so thankful for our existing Patreon donors and. Go and rate us five stars wherever you listen because that also gives us a boost. Oh my God, please do, especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts. I'm sorry that's the way it is, but Apple Podcasts rules everything and it really helps us if you rate us five stars there. Right. Thank you to everyone who has given us yes. a five star rating. I love I know. You guys. I do. And I go back and I read those reviews. Right? I reread the same ones. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm going to get one tattooed like on my back and just yeah. look in just the like mirror right like, on the side. Just be like oh, oh my God, this person loves me. Right, exactly. I I can get through another day. Just <laughs> <laughs> tattoo it on your forehead. Yes. Um, every time I look in the mirror, it's like, like okay, yes, I'm, I feel loved now. I'm not complete trash. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And have an empowered day. Bye. Bye.